Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Lily Padman. Hi. Hi, Lil. Hi, Lil Lily. Hmm. <sighs> Who would I have been if my name was Lily? Oh, wow. Would I have had anything to prove? I feel like you've been easier. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Monica's a name to overcome. It is. It's a hurdle. Yeah. But Lily is like, she's loosey-goosey. Blowing in the wind like a Lily She's pally. beautiful, yeah. She's beautiful. <laughs> We have one of my favorite actors on today of mm-hmm. all time. And what a, oh, he's such a good dude. Yeah. I had met him a few times before this, and he's just a solid dude. Brian Cranston. Yeah. God, I love Brian Cranston. You love Brian Cranston. He's an award winning actor. Boy, you know, you meet him in Malcolm in the Middle, and you go, this guy is, he is sitcom gold. That's right. But then you see Breaking Bad, and you're like, what's this dude doing in this? Oh my God, no one else could have done this. He's brilliant. A genius. And then, of course, he's on the upside, Argo, Uncharted. He has a new movie out now called Jerry and Marge Go Large on Paramount Plus. Incredible story, actually. This movie. It's a real life story. Robin Hood's kind of. Yeah. It's really cool. This couple outfoxed a lottery. Yeah. They figured out how to make millions off of a lottery. But they didn't cheat. A mathematical loophole, we'll call it. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Of course, Brian is just fascinating. And, And by the way, Looks so much like Ewan McGregor. I want you to think that before, because I make that observation mid-episode, mm-hmm. but I can't get over it. Just go in with that thought. Yeah, go in with that. <laughs> Please enjoy Brian Cranston. We are supported by Intuit, the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you on. Yeah, they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy to use resources like getting a car loan with Credit Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com slash education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 seconds... I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dax. That's drinkag1.com dax. Check it out. He's an Ever a consistent length. It's not like you're practicing with the same weapon every day. No, I know. You poor men. I know. I'm so sorry. 
and it's a funny looking instrument. You don't look at the penis and the scrotum and go, that's a fine looking genitalia. No. no. It's preposterous looking when you see a man nude. He just looks so vulnerable. Like if any other animal had his reproductive equipment just... <laughs> just hanging on. Yeah, yeah. directly out front. You go, that thing's not gonna make it. <laughs> and you're positive, no Never other needs. No, no wine bar. Uh, no. Like Urban Mate tea. No, I'm absolutely Six perfect. Degrees. I'm in a regimen now of dropping weight. I need to drop like 16 pounds in a month. It's a cool place though, I, I dig this. It's gonna go yeah, vibe, right? It's, nice. it's gonna be a great guest room. I think <laughs> we're gonna keep it. For the in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pullout. If you like getting here so much you want to stay, you're invited. All this stuff has to go. No problem. <laughs> it's gone. But Rob stays. That's fair. Well, let's just start by saying you and I have bumped into each other a few times over the years. Yeah. Generally, I think through our mutual friend, Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. If we oh. can name drop him. Camping? You've not ever done the camping trip. No. <laughs> right. But I do want to go to his Idaho. Yeah. I want to do the fly fishing resort thing. They did that. How was it? Oh, it was incredible. Granted, we didn't do any fly fishing, but we brought the kids. There was like some camp counselors, so we actually got to have dinners without rotten kids. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I highly recommend it. And if you decide to go, I think I'd like to be there when you're there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because my few interactions with you are lovely. I have the greatest impression of you in those limited times. Well, it's not just limited to that. We actually worked together before. Oh. <gasps> Oh, I see your face now going, I already God. know this. Oh, you do? But I don't. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> it involves the groundlings, right? Yes, it does. Yes. Oh. Okay, so it's both. I know that because you told me. Okay. And, well, you tell it. I'm not going to muddy up the thing. This is 15, 16 years ago? Like 20. Maybe. Ago, who knows? Yeah, it could be 20 years ago. I was on Malcolm in the Middle at the time. And Groundlings reached out and said, we have a show where we do an improv show. Really great talent. We do it where we have a guest star come in for an evening show. And would you like to do it? Yes, I'd like to do that. I love doing improv. Although it's scary. Oh, yes. Especially there, I would say. Why? Because their particular brand of improv is very character driven. That is true. Yeah. So people are making these incredible choices. Yeah. And you're kind of like, well, I guess I'll go Southern too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only person who can't sing, you know, the scene all of a sudden. <laughs> it's heightened. Yeah, it's heightened, but it's thrilling. And Dax was there. And who else was there? Well, most importantly, Melissa was there. Melissa was uh -huh. there. Yes. Yeah. Who, I mean, come on. It was really amazing to be able to be among that level of talent. And you guys were incredible. I can't imagine I was that good, but I'm going to take it. The bigger part of this story is I ran into you one time and your wife, your beautiful, hot bombshell wife. <laughs> Congrats to both of you. We've been together for 35 years Oh, that's now. nice. So I was talking to you and your bombshell wife and you brought this up. You go, oh my God. And your wife remembered, which seems impossible. Oh my God, you were so good in this show and you totally remembered. And I was just blown away by that. I wouldn't have thought in a million years. And I want to say that Sam Rock 
Rockwell might have been in the audience of that show. Do you remember that aspect of it? No, I don't remember that Sam was there. I think Sam Rockwell was in the audience of that show and came backstage afterwards. You must be friends with him. I am. He's such a fun dude. Oh! Talented guy, but also really personable. And we just did a movie together in London. The Matthew Vaughn movie? Is that what it was? Yeah, the Matthew Vaughn movie. Okay. But I also wanted to mention that Maya Rudolph was in the show. You must watch old SNL and go, God, what would it be like to be in a scene with Belushi or Aykroyd? And Melissa McCarthy is very much identical in force to those performers that we would think, God, what an experience that would be. Yeah. And yes, you and I both got to be in a show with her. And it's something to behold, wouldn't you agree? Oh my gosh. It feels like you're holding on to the tail of a wild animal sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know where we're going. She can turn around and devour me at will. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, wow. Total control of the whole thing. Control the whole thing. And it seems like it's chaos, but it's mindful chaos. It all makes sense in the development of a scene. Where did you study? I know that at one point, and it's of great interest of mine, just racing ahead to Airwolf. After Airwolf, you <laughs> took improv. Where did you take it in the city? Later on, I did it with the Groundlings. I took several classes. I studied before that with Harvey Lembeck. He was the preeminent improv teacher in Hollywood back in the day. This is the late 70s and in through the early 80s. And if you ask some of the old guard, let's say Harvey Lembeck's class was the shit. Uh -huh. It was the place to go. Do you think Groundlings founders must have studied under him? Very possible. Del Close. Del Close, Chicago legend. One of those types. You never did UCB? No. I was ready to go and really start doing the Groundlings get my feet in. And then I booked a series. Oh my God. I screwed up the plans. Yeah. <laughs> Your improv dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, UCB didn't come to LA until he was well into That's his true. sixth season of Malcolm in the Middle, probably. Yeah, it was deep. Okay, so your story as I see it from the outside, is a very Ray Kroc. <laughs> it's an inspirational fucking story. So Ray Kroc was a very failed milkshake salesman. He stumbles across this McDonald's Brothers restaurant. He gets the idea to franchise it at 52 years old. He creates McDonald's as we know it. Late in life, many failures. It's an inspirational story to not stop trying to do something. No, but thanks for highlighting my failures, though. Well, I'm talking about Ray Kroc, okay? <laughs> Let's. That is a Kroc. <laughs> yeah. I just think I moved here 27 years ago to do what you've done. And the many periods of, okay, what's the ceiling of what I might be able to do? When I was in the ground, if I could book three commercials a year, I'm sad. And then it's, God, if I could get a series. Just, you've lived in every strata of the experience. Yeah. And it's pretty rare for long periods. A couple things that really helped me along the way. First of all, coming from a very blue collar family with the motto, like the job, just get a job, like your work. Are you kidding me? Hold on to a job, get a job, stretch a dollar. My family, collectively, nobody knew how to make a dollar, but they could stretch a dollar. I mean, we're talking about blue light specials and early birds and smorgasbords and matinees. It was all that stuff. I love smorgasbords. Oh, God. I cannot go to an all-you-can-eat thing anymore. <laughs> cannot do it. Because you can control yourself. Something clicks in and I start grazing. And it's like... mashed potatoes. I like those too. And there's something about... My parents were both children during the Depression of the mm. 30s. And both their parents were teaching them eat everything on your plate, the starving kids in China. And so they taught us that way. So to this day, I have this 
association with food being that until my plate is empty, I'm not full yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not good. Food's scarce. So when it's abundant, it's the way we've always ate throughout our evolution. So like if you grow up in a house where I'm fighting with my brother over the one box of cereal, when I go to Duff's All You Can Eat in Livonia, Michigan with Papa Bob, (laughs) and there's unlimited fucking cereal, it is time. (laughs) From that background, very humble beginnings, my parents were actors. And they met in an acting class after the war in like 1949, had an affair, got a woman pregnant, then married another woman, stole her away from her husband. It's nasty. He went all the way in on the midlife. All the way. He had to try out everything. You almost got to tip your hat to the (laughs) level of wreckage, you know? (laughs) Exactly. That's not for everyone. (laughs) He doesn't go halfway. (laughs) Weaker men would have stopped at that first affair. Addictions (laughs) in there. Yeah, alcoholism. And I'm sure that they experimented with prescription drugs and other things like that. And I I think it was watching that destruction that I went the other way. I think kids watching what their influences are either follow that pattern, unfortunately, or go, wow, yep. I'm yeah. going in the opposite direction. And that's what I did. I went right at my dad's cocaine and alcohol consumption. Did you? Yeah. With the same outcome. Sobriety. Sobriety, ultimately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your mother is first generation from Germany, yeah? My grandparents on my mother's side were from Germany. He was a baker. So when he was 16 years old, he got a job on a ship going from Germany to the United States, merchant marine kind of thing. And he was the baker on board and he would bake for all these sailors and they would not get paid until they got back to Germany. He jumped ship in New Orleans. Only spoke German. Oh my wow. god. And he would knock on the back door of every restaurant and try to describe what he does until someone spoke German. They communicated and he goes, what do you do? And he goes, I bake. He goes, show me. And then he baked and baked cookies and pastries and a bread. And he goes, okay, you have a job. Uh By knowing that trade, he had a job and slowly start to learn the language. And so he learned English and then he migrated from New Orleans through St. Louis and then finally to Chicago where my mother was born. My dad was born in Chicago as well. They didn't know each other. And he came from a long line of men deserting their families. It's a hard cycle to break. I have the compulsion to point out he's Irish, but then I keep having this other compulsion to go like, why mention that? Am I perpetuating a stereotype? Oh, is that a stereotype? Well, the heavy drinking. If I could defend them for a second, let's just say that the stereotype's somewhat true in some way. A Roman Catholic, very oppressive, (laughs) confining religion. The Irish are the wildlings. They are, man. They are fucking flute playing, free spirit, (laughs) historically. And then you put Roman Catholic on them. I don't know that that's the, the best mix. No. Okay. It wasn't a good alchemy, ultimately. And it broke up the family and his carousing. And to get back to your original comment about Ray Kroc, yeah. When I discovered that I really wanted to be an actor, it was for the reasons that fed me as an artist, as a person who wanted to create and have that experience. My goal was if I can just make a living 
as an actor. That's all I want to do. Just make a living. Say that I'm a professional actor and I could pay my bills and I would keep my nut low. And that happened when I was 25 years old. From 25 years old, I've never had another job. And that's still, to this day, my proudest accomplishment. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's a huge feeling. It's a prideful moment. I tell young actors all the time, you've got to have a quiet confidence, a quiet pride. Just own it. Just yeah. feel good and behave that way and be a good person. Show up on time. Be kind to others. And now I'm 66 years old. And when I go on to a show, whether it's a play on Broadway or movie or whatever, I take that with me from the people I learn from. And you're probably the same way. It's like, you know what? I just don't want to be around assholes anymore. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. What's shocking to me is so my dad didn't do what your dad did. And I held the craziest resentment against him. Even in our times of harmony, it was always an issue for me. And yours was much more drastic. So I was a little shocked to learn that you and your brother like tracked him down when you were 22. I think under the guise of we wanted to be actors and are you able to help us? But I think really I wanted to know who he was and are we going to have a relationship and if we hadn't done it i don't think he would have ever contacted us out of shame though maybe if we're being nice yeah. probably that embarrassment shame loss of dignity and responsibility and what he's got to update you on the last 11 years is probably rough what kind of state you did you at? find him in he was living with this woman who he stole <laughs> from the other man and they actually had a good marriage but she was a big alcoholic and a blackout kind of alcohol and it was like i don't want to go into this and yeah. so there was a yeah. certain amount of distance to keep we as siblings we went to al-anon meetings oh you did yeah Good. oh wow Good. did you love that program love wouldn't be the <laughs> term <laughs> i would Imagine. say sorry i got a little too excited tolerable yeah, maybe tolerable. <laughs> educational because our mother became an alcoholic too we had it on both sides separately because they weren't seeing each other anymore. But my mother was like Blanche Dubois. She always loved the attention of men. Oh, my. Uh-huh. She was very flirty, very pretty. Did she remarry? She did. She was married four times. Okay, same with my mom. And my dad was married three times. So there's consistency in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're still living parallel lives, even though they couldn't be together. Did you have a string of stepdads in your youth, or did she wait till you were a little older? I did. But when that came in, I was now 12 or 13, and I was already pushing away from the craziness. And my mom basically met a guy who was actually a decent provider and stuff, but he was also a big drinker, and they became drinking buddies. They met at a bar, and that was their life. How are you with authority figures? I'm okay. Okay. I would imagine because you've done such great work, and I think generally really great work's collaborative. It is. You trusting. I mean, we could just jump ahead to Gilligan. That's a leap of faith. Oh, me from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Is that not how I say his name? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh, God, I got so scared. <laughs> <laughs> when I see it written in the credits, I'm like, that's Gilligan, right? It is Isn't Gilligan. <laughs> Gilligan. <laughs> that's what he overcame, and he's the boy named Sue. That's right. When I read the pilot for Breaking Bad, I was already being asked to meet with Vince Gilligan because he hired me for a role on X-Files many years earlier, almost 10 years before. Is that where he comes from? Yeah, he was a writer and a producer on X-Files. And okay. that was his big break and his big entree into the business. And he wrote this thing where there was a character in the back of a car and Mulder got into the car and I had this something kind of bug in my head that if we didn't 
drive 80 miles an hour in a westerly direction okay. that my head would explode. Like speed a little like bit. Like speed. <laughs> sure, sure. Post or pre-speed? Who stole from whom? All Two ideas are recycled yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So this character that he wrote really gave me insight to Vince Gilligan, how he thinks. Many writers would have written my character in the back seat to be a good guy and empathetic. And so the audience would root for Mulder to save him because he's a nice guy. We don't want him to die. But he wrote my character as a despicable human being, oh. an anti-Semite, oh. Oh, wow. a motherfucker, yeah. you know, yeah. just spewing bullshit and venom all the time. And as I'm reading this, I'm going, oh, where's where this going? Yeah. So he challenged the audience to have the moral dilemma in the center of his main character. Do I save this person because he's a human being? Yeah. Despite Ooh. being a piece Despite of being shit. A piece of shit. <laughs> I would love nothing more than to pull over and watch his brains get yes. blown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How big is this explosion going to be? They tell you? Because I want to <laughs> yeah. see it, yeah. but I don't want to get snared in <laughs> right. it. Exactly. Wow. wow. That is a really tasty piece of writing. It's a twist on it. It activated your main character, and it really activated the curiosity of the audience. That's brilliant. That's the juiciness of Vince Gilligan. That was all the way through Breaking Bad. It was never the first idea. He puts himself through so much anxiety sure. just to get it right. And even on the set, when he's visiting on the set or when he was directing, he would literally tap his forehead is this the best? Is there something I'm missing? Oh, wow. And he would kind of crush himself, you know, like, oh. come on, come on. And he had to go through that in order to know that he's got it. Oh, my God. That's you know, amazing. it asks so many big questions because you wonder what point for a person do they go, yeah, I can do that thing, but is this too painful or it's too dreadful? Yeah. Well, that's like Will Forte on Last Man on Earth. He was killing himself to make that show perfect. And it was perfect, but like it needed to end so he could live. We interviewed him like maybe a day after they canceled the show and we were really nervous he was going to be sad. And he said, you know, I'd like to do it more, but um, I think I would have died this season. Like yeah. with full sincerity. Yeah. It was a terrific show. The fact that he was living his real life with half of a beer. I can't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so he that for nine months. Was it Mike Scherz said he was on an airplane? And he looks to the side and he sees Forte and he's like, holy shit, look at Forte's beard. I haven't seen him in a while. And then he turns to the left and he's like, yeah. oh, God, fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, how do you cover that? How do you go through life? Talk about a commitment. Yeah. It's almost like the prestige of that movie. You got to live the act. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe the funnest list of credits I've ever read. Back to the Ray Kroc thing. I'm just going to hit people with some of these. Chips. Ding, ding, ding. Original Chips. Yeah, the original OG. Chips. OG, first network show you were on, at least according to your resume. Yeah, or one of them. Big moment. Were you with John or Ponch? Yeah. In their prime? Yeah. I can't imagine you have the perspective I have. For me, it's nostalgia. You were in every fucking show that permeated the 80s. All of them. Airwolf, Chips, Murder, She Wrote, Ooh. Hill Street Blues, Matlock, wow. Falcon Crest, fucking Baywatch. Oh, my God. God, tell us about Baywatch. Eh. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know, I just realized you look like, I think you look a lot like Ewan McGregor. Oh, I could totally see that. Oh, I'll take that as a compliment. You should. He's gorgeous. <laughs> He's gorgeous. <laughs> He's a beautiful He's man. He's a bombshell. I could be his father. How old is Ewan? I'm 47. You want to look it up, Rob? I don't know. I'm hoping he's three years older than me. It always feels better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
50 wonderful. Huh? 50 wonderful. <laughs> okay. Have you seen this commercial where he says, we like buying stuff. Who needs a thinner TV? What a great commercial. Yeah. Wait, what? He's in a wonderful Expedia commercial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's thrilling. I didn't remember the product name. Good for you. I'm hoping that's what it was. It was some kind of travel service. Oh, okay. I yeah. love Expedia. It's a great message. You're going to remember your experiences, not your objects. You know, underneath it, there's yeah. something truthful <laughs> no, about good. it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to end here. X-Files, which we just talked about, mm -hmm. which, by the way, another thing you should tell young actors, this thing you think, oh, I'm going to go do this thing. You don't know. That's right. Fucking Vince Gilligan could be there. He could yeah, remember you. Exactly. Your life could take a totally different path. No phoning in, man. Show up on time. Know your stuff. Act like you're the lead of every goddamn show yeah, you're that's on. That's it. Just go in there and take a hold of it and then walk away and then you never know. That's happened several times. But can we say for one second, we'll move on. Having been on a show that ran for six years, to watch the guest stars come in, I was aware of how uniquely hard it is because we all know each other so well. We've got 3,000 inside jokes and then this person comes and there could be future Brian Cranston. You want to extend as much and you do. Right. But it's a hard thing to step into those microcosms, isn't it? Extremely. Extremely hard. I learned from different people in different shows growing up. And when I was on Malcolm in the Middle, I took charge of that show from a cast perspective because Jane didn't want it and Frankie Muniz was a boy. Yeah. And so there was a vacuum. So I took it. And I'd arrange the crew gifts and the parties and where we would all go together and promote the show and do things. I go, oh, there's a real need to do this. And I just learned a comportment that worked when cast members came on, guest stars or co-stars. I'd give them a little hat and Jane and I would sign this oh. that I set up and said, welcome to the show. And, and so... don't screw it up. Joking with them. That's really nice. I'm feeling terrible as a person. <laughs> Brian, you're wonderful. That's yeah. pretty much all I've done is pop in for a day or two days. And it is so hard. It's really hard. Yeah. You're already anxious and self-conscious when you're there because you want to do a good job. You're yeah. there for a day. You feel like, oh, people like have to ask me to sit by that. Like, just as it's <laughs> uncomfortable, you know? You rehearse your three lines over and over and over yes, again. Yes, and you and get in your head about it. Some of the hardest thing to do. It's way harder to deliver three lines in a scene than have a direction you're going in, in. In the whole show. Yes, it's so much harder. It really is. I only bring those up to say that that was 10 years before you got on Malcolm. Did you do Friends? No, never did Five Friends. Five episodes of Seinfeld, though. Okay, that's good. By the time you get Malcolm in the Middle, you've been doing it for 10 years as a guest star. Yeah, and did that and King of Queens and multiple episodes here and there. And to go on Seinfeld was like going to comedy boot camp. And also like going on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson back in the day. The show was so enormous. It was the equivalent of getting to go on Johnny Carson. You could be known like the next day. That's right. It was amazing to be able to watch Larry and Jerry and that cast carve jokes, the setup. Instead of coming in at that line, come in the next line and then wait for your response until you give a look. It's math. Oh my God, it is. It almost becomes like math. There was an experience I had on Seinfeld where I played the dentist. He's incredible on it, by the way. <laughs> As in the dentist office, and Jerry was my patient, and he was upset because I have penthouse pets. Uh, it's not hygienic. It's got to be hygienic. <laughs> so he's in my chair. It's a great idea. And he thinks, 
what's going on in there? Is a dentist or a Caligula? <laughs> That's a wonderful sign. It is. <laughs> He's thinking, why would he have these dental hygienists who look like penthouse pets? I mean, they're busty and they're short skirts and there's something wrong. And so the idea is that I put him under, and while he's under, he looks over and he sees me butting my shirt, <laughs> and she's putting some clothes back on. <laughs> and then he looks and he sees that his shirt is untucked. <gasps> oh my! George, was your shirt untucked before you went in? <laughs> I don't know. I was talked on. Yeah, so there was all that. So I'm in the dental office, and I'm getting used to moving around on the stool and where are my instruments, and getting accustomed to the place. This is the first time that character has been in action in his office. So we rehearsed the scene. I gave him the laughing gas. And he takes a hit and then he goes out. And we do, oh, okay, this is what happens. And then they went away to another set to rehearse that. And I'm staying on my set just to figure out things. And I hear this voice say, hey, you know what would be funny? I look around and on a ladder, adjusting a lamp during rehearsal is a guy who's looking down at me. He's probably 15, 20 feet away. And I go, okay, guy on a ladder. <laughs> What is going to be funny? And he says, before you give Jerry the laughing gas, you should take a hit yourself. And I went, oh my God, that is amazing. Yeah. And so I waited until we were actually filming that night. I was nervous to do yeah, it. Yeah, because they haven't seen that. Just do it. Don't tell them, just do it. Yeah. And I said, nurse, may I have the nitrous oxide? And she hands it to me. I put the mask on my nose. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And then Jerry doubles over. Oh, my God. Amazing. And everybody's laughing. It was great. And then they decide to keep it. Definitely want to keep it. And Larry then says, okay, no, we keep it. We keep it. That's good. That's good. And then he says, Jerry, stop laughing. Stop laughing. <laughs> I don't know how many times we did it. And it got to the point when you just can't stop. You cannot look at each other. Right. Nurse, the nitrous, and mm. she starts laughing. Mm. Is like, Jerry, stop it, stop it. <laughs> yeah. What a feeling to have wow. to be kind of validated like that, to be sharing the giggles with Seinfeld. Yes. Fuck, that's wind in your well, sails. Well, the interesting thing is that the button to this story is that they're looking at me, like, oh my God, that was so funny. You came up, I go, actually, I didn't come up with it. Yeah. And I don't know where the guy on the ladder was. There was no ladder now. We're <laughs> shooting. I'm looking around. And I spot the guy in the doorway going backstage. And I go, I think that guy gave it to me. And all heads turn to him. He's leaning against the doorway. And he gives a little shrug like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> I got a million of them. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not even one of my best. It just fell out. If you just listen to me sometime. <laughs> I'm so happy you gave him credit. Yeah. Would have been very tempting to want to just take all that for yourself. I just wish I remember the name of the person. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob specific. and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, <laughs> which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> 
But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park, Getting ready for a marathon or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. Okay, six years on Malcolm in the Middle. Or seven? Seven. 2000 to 2006. This seems like it can't get better than this. After the 10 years you've had, hit fucking syndicated show that you're one of the leads of, seven years of paychecks. Right. Could you have even imagined there was something above that? At that moment in time where you're setting your sights on, boy, if I could just get another one of these, or where were you at mentally as far as your ambitions? Uh, Because of my experience with my father's career, and my pledge to myself, I just want to earn a living. I was very frugal. I didn't spend money. I was married at the time. We have a baby and we got a house and very modest situation. And I was not about to go spend my daughter's college fund and chase a war, chase something. Yeah. So I definitely knew that what I had to do now was a drama because they were going, oh, that guy in Seinfeld and King of Queens and now Malcolm in the Middle. So now I was getting interest from comedy. As soon as Malcolm in the Middle finished, I got two offers to do comedy pilots to play fun, goofy dads. Oh, yeah. And I went, 
why would I want to be derivative of myself? It's so tempting, though. Not for me, it wasn't. It wasn't for no, you. No, it was easy. I guess for me, the safety. Yeah, but acting is unsafe to begin with. There's no security on it. There's no guarantee as hard as you can work that there's anything going to come to you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a fraction of people can make a living in this business. So you have to be smart about it because I don't want to just have a one hit and go away. I wanted to see how long I could work. When you were first embarking on becoming an actor, did you have a North Star of somebody you thought you wanted to be? Were you aiming at comedy even to begin with? No, I wanted to broaden my abilities so that I had more opportunity. Okay. And so comedy, drama, theater, movies, film, anything. Tom Hanks was really, he's a friend. I've worked with him several times. And he's taught me probably the most of how to behave, how to appreciate the gift and the good fortune that has come your way. And never forget that. Never take it for granted. That's hard though, right? It's easily said, but as a creature, we get one thing and then we immediately want another thing and then we get that thing. And just as a disposition, a human disposition, I think you have to fight it, don't you? I didn't. Again, if I can make a living, so I didn't project any kind of outcome or financial plateau. I was never building something in my mind that I was going to achieve or I have to get to. No, I'm working. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep the engine going. I love it. You're a unicorn like Will Ferrell. He's just a happy comedian. It yeah. seems impossible, but he really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something to behold. I am of that ilk, I guess, of that working class. Just keep your nose down. If you got a job you love, you are very lucky. And uh, that's what I feel. It's funny because for me, my introduction to you as an actor is really Breaking Bad. I hadn't watched Malcolm in the Middle. I recognize you, of course, because that show was kind of ubiquitous and I knew of it. But... There was no leap for me. Like I met you as Walter White, and to me that's the most seminal thing I associate with you. Did people immediately hop on? Oh, no. I mean, it was hard to get that job. From the studio? Yeah, the studio and the network. When Vince Gilligan said, I want Brian Cranston to play Walter White, they thought of me as that goofy dad from Malcolm in the Middle, and it's like, that's not Walter White. Yeah. And he had to say, right, he's an actor. <laughs> he literally, in those days, had to send the studio and the network a disc of the episode of X-Files to say, watch this and then we'll talk. Because you were the goofy dad, the beginning of Breaking Bad, that really works. We know him, he's wholesome, we already like you, and then to make that turn, it's so incredible because we already have the sense of you. Yeah, it was something that I found just so remarkable that what he was attempting to do and what he actually did was to change the stasis of television. It's always been about consistency of a character. We come to love that consistency, whether it's the Friends, whether it's Archie Bunker or Tony Soprano, they are who they are. Yeah. Different stimuli comes in and they react to it, but they react to it as their character would be. This was to go from, as Vince often says, I wanted to take a character from Mr. Chips to Scarface. <laughs> and he would say, I don't think they're going to let me do it. I, <laughs> I don't see how they would want me to do that, but we'll give it a try and see what they think, you know. Oh, he did That's it. That's how tentative it was wow. the whole time. We didn't know. And when we shot the pilot, it was all about follow these words, his brilliant little maze that he created. It was inventive and wonderful and very character-driven. 
and you felt for him. He wrote it in there that you had so much empathy for him that when he turned to decide to do this making crystal meth to pay for his medical and pay for his son's special needs, you were going, yeah, that sounds right. And it was <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait yeah. a minute. What, what am I saying? Yeah, if I think of the two great paradigm shifts in my life in television, it's Sopranos and then that show. Incredible. Do you tire of talking about that show? No, because it was the seminal change in my career. You won four Emmys. You couldn't have done better. It's incredible. We actually have worked together. I discovered this today on Super Mansion. Hey, there we are. What's that? That's right. A total acid trip of an animated show. <laughs> Who do you play on that? Tyrannosaurus Rex? No, Titanium Rex. <laughs> Titanium Rex. <laughs> yeah, he was the old guard. You know, he was angry at everyone because he was losing his powers. The conceit was that all these superheroes were past their prime. And in order for the government to justify keeping them on the payroll, we have to cut down costs. So you all have to live together. Oh. Mm -hmm. And we still want to feel relevant and fight crime sure. and all that, but our skills aren't what they used to be. Oh, wow. So it's real world, but superheroes. It's superheroes, oh, real that's world. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Impotence that's funny. and vitality. It questions yeah. a lot of the big questions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hosting SNL, you've done that twice. Just incredible, like your groundlings on stage experience times yes. 200? Yes, it is being shot out of a cannon. I only hosted once. Oh, you only hosted once. Hosted okay. once. I had been on it another time as a segment thing and just coming in when Lauren calls, you go. Yeah. Oh, man, it was an amazing experience. It is an intense week where you are just punched in the face and you are like going i've never done cocaine in my life but it feels like what i would imagine cocaine would be like you're just vibrating yeah. you're vibrating yeah. at the whole time that is what cocaine's like i guess you don't have to try it before you die now there you go i guess part of the thing i'm romanticizing about your career is that you've been able to teleport into all these different things that are pretty incredible to find yourself on that stage hosting is like Oh my goodness, I'm standing here. That's exactly what you go through. It's exactly right, man. You're going, oh my God. Yeah. Okay, just read the cards, read the cards. Winning an Emmy, are you like, Yeah, you're standing wow, on stage like, oh. I did it. I really did it. He won so many times he got to talk about baseball one yeah. time. Like, you know, you've won a lot of times when you like make a baseball joke. That's <laughs> something, I don't know. When your name gets called at an award show, I never write a speech, but I have an idea of what I would want to say should my name be called. Because I don't want to go, I don't like the, um, wow, oh, gosh, wow. And then I got to wrap it up. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, come on. When you came here, you knew you were not <laughs> You knew it was right? an option. <laughs> yeah. Low probability, perhaps, yeah. but <laughs> an option. But it is a surreal moment. You hear your name. You first recognize the name. Like, <laughs> it sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds very familiar. <laughs> oh my God, that's me. Wow. Oh my God, I'm kissing my wife. Oh, yeah. And there I go, and I'm lifting up out of the seat, and I'm walking to the stage. And yeah. sometimes the most inappropriate things pop in your head. Sure. Oh, sure. my God, that tuna salad I had today. <laughs> oh, not helping me. <laughs> not at this moment. You want to pull it all in. Yeah. The closest thing that most people could equate it to is having a surprise party oh. for you. And you 
absolutely didn't know, and it's surprise, and you look around, and there's all these faces <laughs> of everyone you know, and you're embarrassed, and your adrenaline is pumping, your heart is going, and you're thinking, Oh my God, oh my God, oh, and you're seeing all these faces and it's hard for you to grasp what to say and what to do with them. Sure. Yeah. You're taking in 10X info. I thought you were going to compare it to a car crash because similarly, it's just like all of a sudden you're taking in everything at Slow once. motion starts happening. I've been in car crashes, but not terrible ones. Right. But you remember way too much about a two second. <laughs> yeah. What was that? She was knocking wood. Oh, yeah. that you haven't been in an early No, for him. Oh, no, for me. A, a bad one. I got you. Yeah. I never yeah. know what's going to set you off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then you take to the stage. You win two Tonys. You win a Lawrence Olivier Award. It just keeps getting oh sweeter God, and sweeter. Oh, my God. You're close to an EGOT. You're going to get one. I'm going to do this for Well, he has too. been nominated for Academy Award, but he hasn't won it I yet. I know. That's what I'm yet. saying. I just realized because I forgot about Someone's the Tony. Cool. That's a hard one to get, and you already I got a hunch you don't give a shit, right? It's not what I think about. Here's my thing. I'm proud of whoever got one. But it just seems like a very bizarre thing to really chase in life. I am. I got you four left. One. She has an Emmy, so. E got. I do have an Emmy, yeah. sort you of. Forgot. <laughs> well, it's a half Emmy. Because it's digital? It's not a half Emmy. There's the primetime Emmys, then there's daytime Emmys, and there's, you know, the guy on the ladder who gave you that great yeah. bit. He gets an Emmy. And then a couple weeks after the <laughs> Emmy season starts. <laughs> That's not true. It's very, very esteemed. Uh, very prestigious. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Do you want to say anything about stage? Again, it's counterintuitive, but I can see now that I know who you are while you do it. You're like, well, that's a thing I want to know that I can do. It is, and that's exactly what it was. I did six years of Walter White on Breaking Bad, and it became this humongous monolithic show, very iconic character. And I knew I had to get out from under that character. And so... I said to myself, just arbitrarily, and I have no idea why I picked this number, but I said, I won't go on television for three years. Wow. Mm. I would do press for a movie or something, of course, but I wouldn't take a character on and act in a television production for three years. I need to let that rest and see if we can start erasing the image or the connectivity from an audience to an actor that they can't get away from. So I wanted to make sure that can happen. What better way than to go to theater? And the opportunity came to me the same year we finished in 2013 to do a play where I would play Lyndon Johnson, President Johnson. You've read the Carroll books, I imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Robert Carroll. Uh, uh, he's written 39 books about <laughs> LBJ, and <laughs> every <laughs> one of them is riveting. How many for real? There's a lot, He's got right? three. Oh, three. I believe he's got three. No, more than that. And he's got another one that we're waiting on. Oh, but they're so long. No, I'm sure there's more than three. Oh, are you sure? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess if there was only I'm, a I'm device. <laughs> I'm arguing with the worst person in the world about this. There might be four. The best part of these books is you'll get two chapters about the electrification of the South. You're learning everything about the world while you're learning about Lyndon B. Johnson. Carol goes deep. You put your ass to sleep. <laughs> I asked to meet with him and he said no. Are you a history buff? I do like history a lot. Me too. I'm yeah. just obsessed. Have you read the Ron Chernow books? No. He's my guy. He's the guy, huh? Titan Rockefeller, best biography I've ever read. 
incredible. I'm sorry, that goes up against the Lyndon B. Johnson yeah, series. Man. I'm reading George Washington by him right now, Ron Chernow. Yeah. Fascinating. You got some favorites you want to hit me with? Well, what's been interesting is that I've been working nonstop since the year 2000, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I appreciate the opportunity, but I lament the fact that my reading is all based on what I'm doing next. Right, yeah. right. That makes sense. But you've done some historical things. I did a book on tape. What did you narrate? I want to consume it. Tim O'Brien did a book called The Things They Carried about a reluctant army guy in Vietnam. I kind of wanted to read that book, but I couldn't justify it and I couldn't get around to it because <laughs> I had to read these other biographies and things. I'm playing a doctor, so I'm reading about narcissism or whatever. I love the research part of it, but it takes up your time. Yeah. So then this came and Tom Hanks's company said, we're doing a thing on military books. Would you like to read one? What's available? I said, and they said, well, there's this, 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 and Tim uh, O'Brien. Give me Tim O'Brien. So because it's work, this yes. working class guy <laughs> then gave myself permission, which I'm not proud of. Brian, that's what this show is for me. It's the only way I get to see half my friends. It's like, <laughs> eventually they'll have to promote something and I'm a stop and we get to hang out for two hours. Like, it's a hack. Oh it's part of it. God. You look so much like Ewan McGregor. I can't believe you don't hear it hourly. You really do, actually. And again, what a, a compliment. Call. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. <laughs> He's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> okay. One of my questions was going to be just about endurance. I lack the passion, I guess. If I do something for long enough, I'm like, okay, I want to do something new. But that's been answered. Because you've purposely steered the ship each time in such a dramatically different way, pun intended, it continues to be new. All the stage years are an entirely new experience, right? But what was the play called? All the Way. And that was his slogan, All the Way with LBJ. Robert Schenken wrote it, who won a Pulitzer Prize for the Kentucky Cycle. And it was taking a section of the life. It was from the assassination of John Kennedy in, in November 1963 to election night, November 1964. Oh, cool. So that one impactful year where a man ascends to the office of president of the United States and all the burden yeah. and glory that comes with that. Wow. And he was a shithead prior. How dare you? Well, you must share this. The elections he won were stolen. He profited greatly on all of his positions. He fucking backdoored himself into owning a radio station in Austin, <laughs> which became a television show. Like, he enriched himself. He had a period... And then once he thought he wasn't going to get to where he wanted to, he's like, well, let's get rich on this thing. As he would say, it's all politics. Ah. That's all it is. <laughs> Come here now. <laughs> the better angels of his nature were revealed in his presidency, yeah? In some way. All the way kind of helped not revise history, but revisit history to say that the great society, his social programs were incredible. Medicare, Medicaid, First Step in child's education, beautification policies. It was the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. He made monumental social change, and it was worth a revisit. Yes, he was mostly known for the debacle and the horrific decision-making of the Vietnam War, and that will never escape him. He's a great character because he's like all of us. He's a shithead and a saint and everything. He's yeah. dualistic. I mean, he also electrified most of Texas. He did, and he changed the South. Yeah, changed the South. Yeah. So even like a self-centered narcissist yeah. can have great 
outcomes. What's so great about it is that he made a great character to dramatize because the swings were wide. He went from being completely ambitious and having wonderful, great ideas to social change and equality and all these great things that he was goddamn going to do to the point where he's crying and going, they don't love me. I'm just going to go back to Texas because they don't love me. I can't tell. No, why can't they love me? I mean, this crippling insecurity. Yeah. So the spectrum was intense. Yeah. Fun to play. You're a bad motherfucker, Brian Cranston. <laughs> You're a bad Can motherfucker. Can you tell us about your dark side? He's suspiciously like his friend Tom Hanks. I I've know. met Tom Hanks three times. He remembers every time that he's met me. He is such a gracious human being. He really is. And you're doing a good job following. I'm over your old co-star, uh, Jan Michael Vincent type, a Gary Busey type. Jan Michael Vincent, rest his soul. Was he hammered on set? Either that or so hungover that he was just sleeping. Truly, in the scenes, we're in the helicopter shooting poor man's process. So we're on the ground. And the first AD would go, roll camera. And I slayed it, boom, Brian. And he would indicate to me with two fists pumping, like, wake him up. Oh, <laughs> my God. And I would go, Jan, Jan, Jan. Oh, my and God. And he'd go from a dead sleep. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and he had wraparound dark sunglasses. Oh, wow. I got it. Yeah, okay. And then he knew enough, because I'm on the side of him. I could see through the sliver of the sunglasses that his eyes were closed the whole time. Oh, my God. He would raise his finger up, and whatever knob he touched, he flipped the switch and cut. We got it. Oh, my God. Really quick, just to bring you up to speed, Monica. This is a ripoff of a movie called Blue Thunder that they decided that worked great. It was a helicopter was the hero of that movie. Let's make a show. And the helicopter was the hero. And Jan Michael Vincent, who was coming hot off Hooper, I imagine. Really hot. And then the mechanic he had before that. Yeah, yeah. He was on fire. He was the next big superstar. He was ready to go. Burt Reynolds in the making. Yeah. Drug and alcohol problem. And that was it. Oof. That'll get you. Yeah. Okay. We're here to talk about Jerry and Marge go large. We are? Yeah. We're not? Well, sure. <laughs> We're here to talk about you. <laughs> you in general. I but mean, I'm here to talk about you, but I'm a yeah. good steward. I can get us into that a little smoother. Okay. <laughs> also, they just sent us a link an hour ago. I watched the trailer. It looks hilarious, but I couldn't watch the movie. I tried to even get the link last night. Wow. Yeah. Because I really like you. Like, when I run into you, I'm pretty thrilled that you're around. Also, you're an incredible actor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I care less about that. There's a ton of great actors. <laughs> it doesn't mean I want to bump into them. I appreciate yeah, that. But yeah, but watch their movies, you generally want them to be good. That's yeah. true, but I've watched a couple bad ones. I know. Yeah. I know. Look, most movies aren't great. We all set out to make a good one. <laughs> I've never been on a set where people were trying to make a stinker. <laughs> it's going to be really bad. Yes. <laughs> Although you do have some moments midway through a movie shoot sometimes where you just kind of, you steal a glance at a co-star <laughs> and you don't say it, but you realize this one's not going <laughs> to. Is this going to work? Or... <laughs> do we know what we're doing? <laughs> Do you have a preference when you're doing movies, play, whatever? All about the story. When I, I decided not to do TV after six years of Breaking Bad, it was in a direct attempt to try to disassociate with that so that hopefully audiences would accept me in other shoes. So that's why I went to theater and I did that. I went to Boston, did it out there. And I did it so good in the accidentally turned into HBO movies, which is now going to be a cartoon next month. I know, it can be anything. <laughs> Lifestyle-wise, do you prefer that? You and Robin, I imagine you go together. Yeah. Is that fun to go to a location, have a little three-month experience? It can be. 
you know exactly what this is like because your spouse doesn't want to hang out on a set. Yeah. No one does. No. No. Except your yeah. relatives. For 10 minutes. They go, <laughs> you're doing it again? <laughs> you're doing this scene again? There's nothing better. It should almost be a show. <laughs> Their arrival till 20 minutes later. It does not take long at all before they realize how boring it is. They got to hit the craft service That's table. That's how you know it's over. <laughs> They're like, where's craft service? I got to get sugar or else I'm going <laughs> to... rather see what's on this Why is everybody standing around? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> this is work? I never thought, I'm going to be a celebrity. I'm going to be famous. It was never part of my thing. So I don't look for that. I don't play that up. It comes with the territory. There are certain things. You did arrive in a red Lamborghini with the top down though. Just being yeah. Honest. And yeah. you were wearing a lab coat. So a little hard to believe you want to shake <laughs> what, it. What am I, a farmer? <laughs> God <laughs> sakes, man. Uh, <laughs> it comes. It's fine. But it's important to say that it does come with the territory. And you know what? I'll take this than not having opportunities to work. There's a big difference in my mind between complaining and being truthful about an experience. None of us are babies, but, oh, we were talking to a gal who has a really cute dog as her travel companion for her anxiety. And it's a little bit ironic because when she gets on the plane, everyone that walks by her wants to interact with her and the dog. Ah. <laughs> it's a weird paradox, right? And I just couldn't help but feel similar. I said, you basically know what it's like to be famous on a plane where everyone's going to get to look at you and as they should. And it's exciting and I welcome it. And it's a unique feeling. Yeah, it's a unique feeling. So wherever I'm working, I try to check that schedule right away. And I get on the phone and it's like, honey, I got a Monday and a Friday off. So why don't you come on Thursday? We can go for a drive. We can go to a and b Try to make it special so that you still nurture the relationship. Because like anything else, you don't pay attention to it. It'll fall apart. Oh, you yeah. got to fucking work it like a job. Yeah. I know. There's this illusion. I compare it all the time to working out. It's like you're never going to do a great set. You look at your chest and be like, got it. All done. <laughs> we got it. Your relationship's identical. Homeostasis for two humans isn't a melody. It can't work. Right. That's not our resting state is like harmony with another human. It's compromise. It is. It's a lot of shifting. So I did this movie, Jerry and Marge Go Large, with Annette Benning in Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I'm from. Oh, Great place. Lovely. I love that beltway thing, the yeah, beeline. Nice. Yeah, yeah, really nice. I was on that all the time. Bicycling? Yeah, bicycling or running. I mean, it was great. And that's an easy thing for Robin to be coming to. But if I'm working a lot, she's not going to stay in my rental house. <laughs> yeah. And there's only so many museums you can go to by yourself. Yeah, there's one, Coke. Which is good. K-O-C-H? No. Coke. The oh, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola Museum. I was like, wow, the Coke brothers have a museum. <laughs> Let's geek out for one second. I hope you'll want to yeah, yeah. about Annette Benny. I love her. Oh, my God. I got to say, American Beauty, her performance in that, put it up against Sophie's Choice. It's insane. It's insane. And what a film. That film just oh, holds up. Incredible. And, but she's done such great work over the years. She's a theater kid, too. So she likes to do theater. Oh, so she'll be doing plays and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she'll be doing plays either at the Geffen Theater or in New York. I'm a Philistine. And I like MTV. <laughs> I like, uh, what are the, I don't even know if that's a network now. <laughs> yeah, Car shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so this movie, I was curious if it was based on a true story. It is. It is. Okay, so Monica, Brian plays a gentleman who is on the verge of retirement. He doesn't really want to, but they're telling him it's time for you Mm. to go enjoy your life. He's got limited finances. He's underwhelmed with what his accountant's thrown his way. 2%'s not going to cut it. And we find out that Brian's character is kind of a math genius in Mm. this scene. And then he discovers there's a loophole in the Massachusetts lottery. That's right. And it's real. It's real. Did you meet the gentleman? Oh, yeah. Annette and I went to central Michigan. Ding, ding, ding. In a little town called Everett. Okay. E-V-A-R-T. Spelled wrong. Good. <laughs> but it's pronounced Everett. Okay. Lovely folks. It's a very small town, one stoplight. And there they are. It's Jerry and Marge Selby, sweetest people. We would visit them every day and included their every day, 7 a.m. at the same restaurant to have their eggs and say hello to the rest of the people. And on different nights, they would go to different restaurants. You know, that night is taco night, so we go there on Tuesdays. and <laughs> Sure. Meatloaf on Thursdays. It's that kind of life. Did he hack the lottery in Michigan? Because I remember seeing some dateline. The real thing that I have to correct on is that there was no hacking. He has a mathematical mind, and in the bylaws, in the construction of the lottery game called Windfall, he found a flaw. That it says, here are the rules, and he absolutely and always played by those rules. They made a mistake, and he doodled out a little thing, and the companion goes, well, that can't be right. He did it again. (gasps) It is right. Most lottery games are played where if no six out of six winner happens, it carries over and accrues and builds to the next game till someone actually hits the six out of six. Right. This game, Windfall, created something called a roll down where if the $2 million jackpot, no one hit the six out of six, the next drawing, and no one hit a six out of six on that one, well, who hit a five out of six? They drop. No one hit a five out of six? How many four out of sixes? They split the pot. So somebody wins. Get the fuck out. They go until... Until they disperse all the money on the windfall roll down. And that's the game they played only when there was a roll down. So if someone happened to hit the six out of six... We don't play that week. And we wait until no one hit it. So the <gasps> next time we go play. So it averaged about once every three weeks. Once every three they weeks. They won once every three weeks. Every three weeks. And they lived in Michigan. They would just buy an insane amount knowing odds wise. That's right. The odds were in their favor to win as long as they played during a roll down only. They had to bet enough money to offset luck. Right. So if you flipped a coin 10 times... You might get heads 70% of the time, maybe. Mm -hmm. But if you flip that coin 100 times, it is guaranteed to come down right around 49, 50, 51. It does. Yeah. It's just math. That's why there's a fake Paris in Vegas and a big old pyramid. Yeah. (laughs) You can't escape it. How long did it go on? They played in their home state of Michigan for two years until the game came to a natural end. It was scheduled to come to an end at a certain point, at which point they heard, well, windfall is also being played in Massachusetts. No way. So they traveled every three weeks in their Ford truck, and they got in and packed sandwiches and an overnight bag. (laughs) I love them. They do. And they went just across the border into Massachusetts, and there they stood pumping the money into the machine, hundreds of thousands of tickets they buy at a given time. And then 
They take it back to their little cheap motel. We call it the pick and shovel. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And they would then stay up, drink the motel coffee, and start checking the tickets. Oh, my God. They got to go through thousands of tickets. Hundreds of thousands. Oh, my God. Wow. Was there any scratching involved? I hope not. No. Oh, God. Because imagine you got to add in that. Oh, my God. And they said, once you know those six numbers, there's something that happens to the brain that it highlights. So you can look at a ticket and unless you see those six numbers, not a winner. Oh, there's three. That is a winner. Oh, here's a four. That's oh. a winner. Oh my God. Nope, not a winner, not a winner, not a winner. Here's a winner. Wow. Hundreds of thousands. Just the two of, of them. Tickets. Just the two of them. Oh my God. And do we know the grand total of what they ended up winning over their career? Yeah. Nine years. Nine years doing this. Until Massachusetts stopped their game. And they won a total of $27 million. No! <laughs> Oh, yeah. 27, 27 million. million. Now, the great, great part of it is that Everett, like many small towns, they were underdeveloped and underutilized. There was some underemployment. So Jerry and Marge got all their friends to buy in, all the people they know in this town and their kids and everybody, and they became shareholders. It was a co-op. Wow. It was a co-op. Did they ever make these clowns look at the tickets or were they doing that all themselves? <laughs> it was their well, thing. There's probably a trust issue too. It was that, but no, but it was their thing to do yeah. it by themselves. That's on par with Ray Kroc. It's good. This was the first movie I did coming out of COVID and feeling that tightness and restrictiveness that we all had. I wanted to do something light. Yeah. I wanted to do something fun. I read it. I said, that's really sweet. I like the writing of that. I put it down. I read some other things. I kept looking back at it and going, you know what? I keep going back to this. Yeah. That's an indicator. And then when we got Annette, it was like, oh, this is fantastic. So we had a great time. And the director directed a couple of great Yeah, David Frankel did The Devil Wears Prada, among many other things. And so we all had a great time there in Atlanta, in your hometown. Mm -hmm. And it comes on Paramount+. Plus. Jerry and Marge go large. They go very large. Twenty-seven million. Yeah, they're living modestly. They bought a new truck. Oh, good for that! <laughs> and they set up all their grandchildren for oh. college education. Oh my I god! I love them. We should have them on. I'd love to have Jerry and Marge. Check. We're Michiganders. Okay, this is my very last question. Everyone see Jerry and Marge go large. I'm gonna. I was pissed there wasn't a link. I watched the trailer. I'm like, I'm fucking in. This looks fantastic. (laughs) What hobbies do you have? You bicycle, you run. Tell us, what are you preparing for that you have to lose all this weight? I am preparing for the second and last season of Your Honor, which is a limited series that I did for Showtime. And as they tell me, it got higher ratings than any other series they've ever had. Oh Oh my God, that's incredible. So one more season of that. And so that's what I'm preparing for now. And I have this mountain man kind of it's beard. It's a going. very good look on you. Is it really? Yes. Nice. I mean, again, the Ewan McGregor stuff's really <laughs> popping off the page right now. You and Ewan McGregor. I love him. Enough he's already. Gorgeous. Have you watched those documentaries he's done about motorcycles? I have seen them all. Yes. <gasps> I love. How him. much do you want to be him in those? Because I used to be a motorcycle guy. What happened? You had a daughter and you were responsible. That's right. Daughter, wife. My wife is like, I've never been comfortable and never been happy with you going away. When I was 20 and 21 years old, I lived on my motorcycle. I drove all the way across the country on my Honda 550 uh-huh. and all the way back. Very dependable. And everywhere bike. for two years. Wow. And then you like hitchhiked around England. This is where you ended up falling 
fallen in love, yeah. You get interviewed at Oxford? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you stand up and you tell this love story about you guys, and it's really sweet. Aww. It's very sweet. And you make a real point about how hot she was. So I'm just saying, I'm just taking his words, in case, I hear l- the lest story. anyone be judged. Yeah. All the stories that I've stockpiled up. So I wrote a book six years ago, something did really well, and yes. just short stories, and it was fun. Yeah. You're going to write a book? Oh. I was originally a writer. Like that was my life goal is to be a writer. And so I love writing. And yet I really just can't land on what I think that it should be. Is it because you've placed a bar so high that unless you find the subject and the way in that you're not going to do it? It's that. And then additionally, it's what part of my life do I want to tell? There's one about show business. There's one about addiction. There's one about trauma. There's one about, I'm not sure. And mostly I'm just trying to say to myself, above all, don't try to teach anyone anything. I think people enter into books going like, there's got to be a lesson in this. Yeah. And so I don't want to do that, but I don't know. Yes, it seems like I would want to do it great. And that's probably the hurdle. And I don't know what I would necessarily tell. And maybe it's several different things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to write one. It's a gift guide book. I put out some gift guides. They're incredible. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You think this is a bit, Brian? (laughs) No. Follow her on Instagram. (laughs) This year, your wife, her fucking head's going to spin Christmas morning. Follow this gift guide. I bought all my presents from her gift guide this year. Her mother was like, where did you get this bowl? Like, I would ever be able to find a bowl (laughs) that would make a woman's eyes pop out of her head? Now, did you give credit where credit is due, or did you go... I don't know. I had to find something that got a sense of you. So listen, in textbook me, there's a dose of truth and there's some lying involved. So one is, I did give Monica credit. B is I just bought everything on the fucking list and wrapped it all. And when, as people would arrive, I would say like, I got this. For you? And you just grabbed it out of a pile? Yes, I hope my mother-in-law's not listening. So you had a little post-it note on the present (laughs) saying, older female relative. She had a beautiful set of bath towels. You know, I'm not giving that to my little sister. But they're labeled, right? The gift guide was particular. It's like, this is for a person who likes cats. But then it's not cat stuff. You mean stuff. the musical? Yes, the yeah. musical. And the present was a loaded gun. <laughs> <laughs> and a burlap bag. <laughs> but, yeah. So why, Monica? You just love gifts. I do love gift giving. I get a lot of joy out of it, yeah. and I really like I to give that. thoughtful gifts. It is a love language of mine. She's tremendous at it. I need to chime in. She's Thank one you. of the best gift givers I've ever met in my life. Thank you. Take it from there. So I just thought it would be like a fun thing to do and then turns out it was a very fun thing to do and so i'm gonna keep doing it but similar to the book you had all this anxiety she was saying she was gonna do it and as it approached she started panicking and then some of them were like scatty wampus she was throwing some shit on she broke her own rules yeah brian this has been so lovely i'm flattered you remember groundlings you're just the nicest son of a bitch no dark side well you're doing something i can smell it you're doing something (laughs) and i'm gonna find out (laughs) i'm gonna find out (laughs) there's gonna be a part two of this when you find out please let me know i'm gonna let you know I'm not going to let your wife know. I'm going to leave that to I you. I want to find out what my dark side is. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's going to happen. Everything's going honky-dory. Life's great. And you're going to pull a golf club out of your trunk and smash someone's windshield yeah. in front of a Taco Bell someday. <laughs> so what is that, a bad thing? <laughs> right. Maybe that's it. You just don't recognize it. Artistic yet. expression. <laughs> I was playing an angry yes. golfer. Mr. Cranston, what a delight. I'm so glad we did it in person. Nice. And everyone should check out on Paramount Plus, Jerry and Marge Go Large. I promise you're going to love it. Thanks, Monica. Thank Thank you, you, Dex. Thank you, Rob. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. 
We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. Mm. It was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Walter Veit. I wonder if that's what they call him in Germany, money. Walter? Walter Veit, because W's V. Yeah. Listen, before we kick off, I got to say something. Okay, say. The first season of top gear america yeah which i would say is really good i mean the original with three guys from england it's the high water mark sure right but i was really proud of it so this is the tom cruise movie yes top top gear <laughs> maverick the second season which is out july 1st on motor trend plus is incredible monica in fact it would break my heart to think no one's gonna see it i'll see it it's so i saw it it's saw it. so good. Have you seen any of it? No. Oh, Wait, I actually, had cuts. I might have. Oh, it was incredible. I raced some Formula One champions, NASCAR, in minivans. Fun. I jumped trucks high into the sky, go over 200 miles an hour on a public road. Wow. It's nonstop. Is this the season where you ate a cheeseburger while you were driving? No, that was the first season. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was evaluating how easy it is to eat while driving. Yeah. It, and I was doing donuts yeah. and eating a cheeseburger yeah. and fries and a drink. <laughs> yes. And you thought it was pretty funny? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love burgers. Oh. What? Sim. What? I have to just, there was a huge Sim moment that happened today. Oh, wow. And then we'll okay. get back to Top Gun gear. Yeah. Okay. We put out a flightless bird on burgers today. Y yeah. Which we love burgers. Which is not today, but today. Right. Today yeah. we're doing this fact check. Yeah. We put out a flightless bird 
on burgers. And also, my chef put no. out a video today on Smash Burgers. Get out. And she hasn't put a video up in months. Like, she was taking a break. So this is the first one back. Okay. This is a ding, ding, ding. It's not a duck, duck, It is a ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Okay. That's not exciting. That is very exciting. <laughs> Top Gun. Top Gun America. Yeah. <laughs> Motor Trend Plus. What was your favorite moment of the whole season? Well, it is literally this minivan race. Now, look, I'm going to own up to the fact that I picked a good minivan. I had had a bad spell where I was picking all these American classics, and they would break halfway through every single challenge. And then Jethro, who's clever. He's crafty. He's savvy. Uh, and he and I are, are and the, we're big competitors. You love him. He's very, very clever. But because he's from England, it makes more sense that he picks, like, these Japanese cars and stuff because they were bigger there. They, they really? Was, yes. Uh, then they were here. In now? Po in popularity when they were kids. Like it was oh, more when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Like if I pick, you know, if we're doing some kind of 80s challenge and I pick some Japanese, that doesn't make sense. Like I wanted a Mustang. That's yeah. what I pick. Got it. Anyways, I'm like, I'm going Honda Odyssey on this because I know the minivans are going to be really nice. old. And so, uh, granted, my Odyssey was better. And then Jensen Button, who's a Formula One champ and is a, currently a commentator on all the races. Oh, cool. Gorgeous. Speaking of guys you'd have a boner for. Really? Yeah, he's fucking foin. pull up a pic while you talk. Yeah, he's foin. Jensen Button. Button? Yeah, he's on Instagram. I follow him. Oh, very. Yeah, he's gorgeous, right? Yeah, yeah. So he got to this race, oval track race. I don't know, eight, nine minivans. Fantastic. Mm. He recognized that a little horsepower advantage, so he went and pulled one of the wires out of the distributor without anyone knowing. Oh. And so when we did our warm-up laps, my fucking van went rev past like 3,000 RPMs. It was like in perpetually in limp mode. And it's the only time I lost my my cool on the show oh. because I it, it was it would have been like the third or fourth episode in a row where my car was broken before we started. And that's why I was like, I get out, I'm like, oh my God, it's broken. I'm going to lose this. And of course, it's a race, so I care so much. And then I'm like, we got to test my cars, blah, blah, blah. This is just like Formula One. This is what Danny mm, has to deal yeah, with. Yeah, 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 yeah. My car wasn't performing, and it was a pattern. And then I wasn't calling anyone an asshole or anything. I, I was just saying not. to the producer, like, we've got to, you know, even if it's me that gets to drive these before the event, blah, blah, blah. He goes over there and fucking plugs this thing back in. So he did it just to fuck with me, which was really funny. <gasps> Good prank. Not Jethro, Jensen Button. Oh. The Formula One driver. Jensen Button? Yeah, because he's a competitor to the core. So then we got out on the track, and not only was I victorious, I lapped almost everyone. Good job. Yep. And then we turned into, into a smash-up derby, Jethro and I, because he and I are both nuts, mm -hmm. and gave those boys a real scare. Because we don't mind going into that wall. We were going to the wall repeatedly, Ugh. right into the wall, right into each other. Oh. Having God. a blast. Oh, what a riot we had. That was maybe the most fun. Good. That was a great one. Uh, oh, there was just so many good ones. This season just got three times better. Good. Fun. All right. I just wanted to let everyone know about that. Cool. Thanks for indulging me. Of course. Speaking of cars, my dad got a new Prius. He loves it. He's but so is it excited. new? You're not sure no, it's, it's new. No, it's used. Oh, he bought a used Prius. Yeah, 2020. Okay. He's over the moon. He can't stop it. talking about it. That's great. I love it. And he's geeking out on how many miles to a gallon he's getting, right? More than promised. Yeah, you said 70 he's claiming? Mm -hmm. And my first thought to you was, oh my God, he's driving so slow. He must be driving everyone in Atlanta bonkers so no, he he's get not, this number. No, he picks me up from the airport and stuff. He's he not driving exceptions. like you. He 
isn't intense driver, but right. he's not a slow driver. He's like very average. But what he's doing to get those extra miles, mm-hmm. as we talked about, even though I haven't confirmed this with the show, <laughs> but I'll get on the phone with him and ask him. Okay. He's getting more mileage out of the battery portion, right? Of so course. the car drives in battery mode until it's out of juice and yes. then it kicks over to gas mode. And to do that, he is making tortoise starts from every, not jackrabbit starts, tortoise starts off of every red light. Mostly just coasting. That's a lot of coasting right. and a lot of the slowest accelerations you've ever but seen. But he can't coast on the interstate. No, that's where he's going to have to. But it's all about accelerating up to that point. And I bet he is nursing the fuck out of that. I bet his zero to 60 time is like over 45 seconds. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And he's kind of trying to shame you too, right? Because he keeps asking like, oh, what kind of gas miles are you getting? Like, it's not that he's just bragging about his own. He's also shaming you. He wants to know about my premium gas price mm-hmm. and how yeah. often I'm filling up and that's not really new he's always interested in how often i'm filling up oh he is yeah and how much gas prices are yeah i wonder if i'll be asking my kids that how many miles a gallon are you getting in that how often are you going to the gas station you might you like cars i know and you like saving money i mean yeah but i that wouldn't be my interest with cars is how many miles a gallon it'd be more like how What's the top you speed going? you've hit in that thing? Yeah. How many G's have you pulled? Yeah. You had a blowout at high speeds yet? You know, those kind of questions. You yeah. got it on two wheels yet? Yeah, yeah, I don't have any of those. I do wonder that. Like, I guess I am, you know, I'm modeling terrible behavior for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. That's a given. You are, yeah. As a driver. The other day <laughs> I was behind you. Yep. We were leaving Perfect 10 Charlie in Erica's house, and I was behind you, and uh, you peeled out. Uh-huh. That's right. I didn't know if it was for my benefit. It was. I think you're talking about the left hander under the on ramp. Yep. It was more than a peel out. It was, it was a big screech. old drift. Okay, I don't even know what it's called, but it was a crazy yeah, move. Yeah, it started as a burnout, and then I let it run all the way through the left turn up under the ramp. I know. And I, it was a good 200 yards, 300 yards. And of there rubber. were other cars. There were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet they were excited too. You don't get to see a stunt like that very often. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was solely because you were behind I me. I know. I was laughing. What, what if I got on the on-ramp every time like that? <laughs> well, I don't know what you're doing out there. I there's do a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, a good that's chance. True. That's true. But anyways, I was thinking like, you know, what am I going to say when I catch Lincoln doing donuts? There's nothing to say. You know, it's just like, you got to have control of this car, I guess. Yeah. Maybe you should just reinforce some safety. Yeah, I'm going to have to, well, what occurred to me actually is like, well, I modeled terribly. So she's probably going to drive like an idiot. I've got to like really teach her everything. So she's go- at least good at it all. I think that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. We're getting there. We went to the go-kart track for the first time yesterday. Oh, how was it? It wasn't great. Oh, no. I'm- As we were going there, she's like, who else is on the track when I'm on? So I could tell she's starting to ruminate about, oh, it'll be other kids. And she's like, it's not a race, right? Because it was her first time. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, no, no, it's not a race. And then when you buy the tickets, you say, I'll have two races. So she said, well, no, it's a race. And then we're watching the go-karts go around before it's her turn. And I said to her, if you're anything like me, I bet you're really scared. I would be really scared that I wasn't going to do a good job Mm -hmm. and that I'm watching And then other people are going to be better than me. And she's like, yeah, I kind of don't want to do it. And I was like, baby, I, I will be so proud of you if you just try it. That's what's impressive to me. Yeah. So she tried it and she wasn't very fast and kids passed her and she didn't like it. Okay. And I said, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I had, you got to know, I had a whole world built upon. I know you did. You did a good, you did it. Then I'm impressed by you. Good job. Yeah. But now I do have this thought. Well, there's a there's an asterisk. 
it did occur to me, well, it's just because she didn't like that aspect of it. Yeah. One of the things, too, is like we've never not done something together. When I teach her to ride a motorcycle, we do it together. Mm -hmm. When I try to drive the Razor, we do it together. So it was the first time she's just out like kind of learning something on her own. Yeah. So that was one of the issues. I wish I could have been out there with her because she would have trusted to follow me and she would have known what speed you could blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I have thought, like, is she going to ask again, like, I want to go back? Is there a way for her and I just to practice for a while? Dig up up the pool. Dig up the pool, put out the track. So that was, like, the first time I went to the motorcycle track to do it on the track with all these dudes and drag a knee. You know, it's so extreme. Mm -hmm. I just was filled with fear the whole way up. And then I'm out there watching, and I have a knot in my stomach. And when I tried to tell her, I'm like, baby, I'm so scared, too. Even when I raced on on the pit lane, I'm terrified. But once I'm doing the thing, I remember, oh, I love doing this thing. Mm-hmm. I love riding a motorcycle. I love driving cars. And then it goes away. But I didn't, she didn't get to that point where she actually enjoyed it. Yeah. And that may be it. That may be it. Or maybe she'll go back and have a different experience. Who knows? But that is part of it. Yeah. Overcoming the fear and people looking at you and it not being that fun until you can't. Like, yeah. it's all part of the whole experience. I know. That's where I, I guess that's the conundrum I'm in. It's like part of me wants to teach her to be able to push through that. Mm-hmm. But again, only if it's something she wants to do. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Then the other side of me is like, this is my thing that I want her to do. And so just lay off. She didn't like it. Mm. It's hard to know. Yeah, that is yeah. tricky. Gosh. Most people enjoy things they're good at. It's enjoying things well, in the process of getting good. Well, this is where it's my fault. Most people, well, let's say it's half her disposition and half me. Mm-hmm. Most people would have gone there. Like Erica and Dahlia go, there's no, there's nothing in Dahlia's mind about being good or bad at go-karting. Yeah. Like Dahlia, in their household, it's not, no one cares yeah. if you're a good driver. No one cares if you race. No, you know, yeah. so it's not even on her radar to think you should be fast or slow out there. Right. So she might have been able to go and just have fun driving around mm-hmm. and getting bumped and all that stuff. And again, I don't know how much I, this is inadvertently I put on her, but for her, having fun out there would be to be doing well at it. Yeah, 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 and, yeah Or, and that might just be her own disposition. Like, it's mine. Yeah. It's hard for me to just, like, be doing something huh yeah like if you and i weren't good at spades i don't we wouldn't play that much like we just couldn't get it and we just lost every time (laughs) well yeah (laughs) i mean yeah that would suck Mm -hmm. i wouldn't want to play but some people don't mind that though but okay but here's the thing like we also play shanghai uh-huh. And wow. that's fun. That's fun. Like, I'm happy to play that. That's, that's fun. True. Because you can't be good or bad at it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's why we can enjoy it and lose. I feel like Braxton now. I love Braxton. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Braxton's a dog that Dax drew. Yeah, he's an angry little dog. He's got buck teeth. I think that's part of the reason he's so angry. I liked his teeth. Well, we did, but he, he's been made fun of. Oh, he's insecure uh, about them? Yeah. And his eyes are bloodshot. His stress. eyes are a little stressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're bloodshot. Um, okay. All right. So <laughs> that reminds me, I listened to this podcast. It's kind of a stretch. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess I want to talk about it. Also, I want to say we're moving forward with a fertility podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and talk that. about it. Let's, let's tease. tease it. PT, podcast tease. As everyone knows, Everyone knows about me. Uh, <laughs> the whole world knows I'm freezing my eggs. <laughs> I am freezing my eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, Your famous eggs. And I'm... Y- Famously like, big. Stop. 
<laughs> we're auctioning them. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Oh, man. No, maybe we'll sell them as merch on the website. Oh, Fertilized Monica, baby. <laughs> okay, so I'm doing this in August. Mm. I'm going to do it right before I turn 35. Mm. And we're going to follow that process in the podcast. I'm going to have a partner. Has she agreed? Mm-hmm. But we are going to freeze our eggs at the same time as much as I hope we can. I mean, in it's same, very tricky. Don't do it in the same Petri dish. So yeah, we're going to put them all in the same dish and see, oh like, who God. knows? Yeah, that's a <laughs> fun. <is> bigger. <laughs> oh, well, they'll know whose are yours. <sighs> Men don't understand Big this. old eggs. This is... <laughs> Big Padman eggs. Okay. Oh, sorry. This is serious. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you better be glad. You're going to be out of town while we record this. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing because... <laughs> I'm going to be so hormonal. Oh, yeah. I actually thought, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to be doing this podcast for a while. I'm shooting myself up with so many hormones. Oh, my God. I'm going to be crazy. Yeah. But maybe it'll be, like, really nice. Like, who knows? It could turn out you'll stay on the hormones because they make everything perfect. <laughs> maybe. We'll yeah. see. But anyway, so um, Liz Plank. Yeah. Who we love, who you farted on. That's right. We love her so much. She's already a big winner on this podcast. She is. She's the first person I ever farted on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And she's brilliant. She's just yeah. like so smart and fun and I love her. So we're going to do this together. We're both going to freeze our eggs at the same time and we're going to meet every day and we're going to talk about where, what, what we're feeling and how we are. And then also we're going to be talking to a new person each episode about their fertility story. Uh-huh. And there's going to be lots of different kinds uh, across the board. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be really interesting. When I look into egg stuff and egg freezing it's all pretty clinical the stuff you get back yeah and this is going to be some some real life some color commentary on that yeah so that's on its way that's exciting i forget why i brought that up well this is a day of our self-promotion i'm talking about top gear america we're talking about your upcoming project it's a day to celebrate it's going to be under our umbrella it's our project yes and so is top gear yeah because you were on um the filming of it on a free vacation. Yeah, but I thought that was the first season. I don't think so. Oh. Wait, what? I don't know. It's so confusing. <laughs> but then the burgers was was definitely second season. Was it? it yeah. Okay. It, that would have been like five years ago that, or not know. five, but a long time ago that those wow. burgers were. So, so, okay, burgers. My favorite part of the second season is when you ate some burgers while you were driving. <laughs> Thank you. That uh, is in the second season, I hope. Anyway. Oh, I know. <sighs> yes. Okay. So I was listening to a podcast oh, great. yesterday uh, called Second Life by Hillary Kerr. I uh, love Hillary. Shout out. And she talks to like women who have jobs. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where did she find them? Career changes. <laughs> yes yes rob yes a big career change yeah yeah yeah. and i was listening to this um (laughs) one woman who has a jewelry company called dorsey it's very cool i really want some of the jewelry and she was talking about how she built this business and she had all these jobs before like very uh industrious woman and then she got pregnant, she had a baby, and then kind of at the same time she started building this company. And it's been a couple of years, I guess, and she was talking to her CFO and they were kind of talking shop. And then the, he said, you know, are you aware of what you built? It's so impressive. Mm. The first thing she said was, 
yeah, but I th- I think I've been a bad mom. Oh. And it's like, God, this just made me feel, it's like, man, mm-hmm. guilt. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of men feel that way too. They retire and they're like, oh, my kids already went to college. They're gone. Now I'm retired. I want to really, oh, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. We were uh, we were designed to have way more free time. You know, hunting and gathering societies work for like four to six hours a day. Everyone's together. Yeah. It's just we're, we live in a very bizarre construct. We do. Okay. Some fackies. Okay. When did UCB come to L.A. and was it Brian's sixth season of Malcolm in the Middle? It came in 2005 to okay. L.A. and it was in between season six and seven. Oh, wow. And you kind of pulled that out of your butt, and you were right. I did. Even when you were just saying it, I had no touchstone for that. I wouldn't have guessed that anyways. You would have guessed it because you did guess it. Oh, okay. So (laughs) if if, if given the chance to do it again, I would have guessed it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, You said Vince Gilligan is the boy named Sue. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant, uh, Mm. but it's a Johnny Cash song. Written by Shel Silverstein. Wait, that's crazy because I was like, oh, it's a Johnny Cash song, but I assumed it was Shel Silverstein. Really? Is it a poem that he then made into a song? I don't know if he wrote it specifically for Cash or Cash made a song of the existing poem. I just know that Shel Silverstein wrote that song and it's an incredible song. It's about a guy, a a dad who knows he's going to take off and not be there for his son, but he wants his son to grow up tough and mean. So he names him Sue. Yeah. Should I just play it? Daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, they, they love quick it. and I grew up mean. My fist got hard, my wits got keen. Roam from town to town to hide my shame. But I made me a vow to the moon and stars. I'd search the honky-tonks and bars and kill that man and give me that awful name. Well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July, and I'd just hit town and my throat was dry. I thought I'd stop and have myself a brew. At an old saloon on a street of mud, there at a table dealing stud, such a dirty mangy dog that named me Sue. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had, and I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and bent and gray and old, and I looked at him and my blood ran cold, and I said, My name is Sue. How do you do? Well, I hit him hard right between the eyes, and he went down, but to my surprise, come up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear. (laughs) But I busted a chair right across his teeth, and we crashed through the wall and into the street, kicking and a-gouging in the mud and the blood and the beard. I tell you, I fought tougher men, but I really can't remember when. He kicked like a mule and he bit like a crocodile. I heard him laugh and then I heard him cuss. And he went for his gun and I pulled mine first. He stood there looking at me and I saw him smile. He said, son, this world is rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I know I wouldn't be there to help you along. So 
I give you that name and I said goodbye, I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped to make you strong. Yeah. He said, now you just fought one hell of a fight. And I know you hate me and you got the right to kill me now. And I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in your guts and the spit in the eye. Cause I'm the son of a bitch that named you Sue. Woo! I got all choked up and I threw down my gun, called him a paw and he called me a son, and I come away with a different point of view. And I think about him now and then, every time I try and every time I win. And if I ever have a son, I think I'm gonna name him Bill or George, any damn thing but Sue. I still ain't that that's, I like that. It's a fun story, isn't it? Yeah. Shell makes great stories. He does. And Johnny Cash sings great songs. It's yeah. a match made in heaven. <laughs> I'm going to play another video. Oh, wow. Two videos in a row. Oh, wow. Because uh, you said you and McGregor d- did an Expedia commercial. Oh, yeah. It's a great one. Really good. Stuff. We love stuff. And there's some really great stuff out there. But I doubt that any of us will look back on our lives and think, I wish I'd gotten a slightly sportier SUV, bought an even thinner TV, or found a trendier scent. I wish I'd discovered a crunchier chip, found a lighter light beer. Had an even smarter smartphone. Do you think any of us will look back in our lives and regret the things we didn't buy? Or the places we didn't go? What a great commercial. It's a really good commercial. It's a really good commercial. It's almost as good as that Johnny Cash song. Yeah. Hey, y'all, really great station. (laughs) But do you think this was a Super Bowl commercial? It looks like there's some money behind this. Oh, there is some sweet, sweet coin behind that one. The production value is off the charts. And it's a wonder. They really, really choreographed everything beautifully. I will also say, I think it's a a diss to a lot of other commercials. Because what you can't see and what people should look up. When they said lighter light beer, they're reenacting the Bud Light commercials. They're on a set Mm -hmm. and they're going through the different sets of these different commercials. I bet everyone's seen it. Have you not seen it? I have it? never seen it. Oh well, now God. I feel like I have seen it. Yeah. But you know I don't pay attention. Because you just did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've, now I've definitely Namely seen it. Namely because you just yeah. Yeah, did see it. <laughs> I'm going to guess it was a Super Bowl. Um, how many Caro books? This was a point of contention. He has written four. Oh, good. So I won that debate. Well, he no, said you only said three. 38. I know, but he said three. <laughs> so he's written four and we're all waiting for the fifth. That's right. Yeah. I'm pretty sad my um, Washington books come to a close. You he, finished it? Well, he's died already. Oh. And so now we're kind of, we got some recap. I probably have one night of this what do you, epilogue, I guess, is what we're into now. Okay. His effect on life going forward. Okay. I spent a long time in that world there. That's fun. It was. It was really nice. You Ron really Chernow. liked it. Ron Chernow. But I do have three books that have been on the burner that I'm excited to start. So What are you starting? 
An Immense World, Ed Young's book is now on Audible. It just came out today. Factfulness, this was recommended by an armchair who said that if you loved Weirdest People on Earth, you'll love Factfulness. And then Behave, maybe Jedediah Jenkins told me to read that one. Okay. So I have a few in the queue that I'm excited to start. So That's fun. Mm-hmm. What's the flying flamingo? Oh, that's a kid's book. <laughs> I'm like, when did I want to read about flamingos? This is happening on my Audible too. There's a book on my in my Audible that I'm like, I downloaded this. Remember when Apple auto downloaded a new YouTube album and people went crazy? They were so yeah, mad about it. Awful. U2? U2, the band. Oh, okay. not YouTube. I thought you said YouTube. Yeah. And what if Audible put a book in your thing, gave it to everyone? It would be the same backfire, I think. I th- you two got pretty skewered over back. it. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what? I don't think anyone's listened to it's them It's so since. weird what's going to set people off. Like, what's it's, wrong on with the, on that? The surface, you don't have to listen. Well, they're mad that it took up space on their yeah. phone. Oh. It was like earlier on when you had to care about space. Too. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. think people do need to relax a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to do something that I've never done. Okay. I'm going to reference something that was cut. Oh, great. <laughs> we'll see if people like it or backlash. Ding, ding, ding. You too. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. It was just a part that was, it was just like a couple lines that was, it was just unnecessary because it was in the middle of a chunk that was flowing nicely. Okay. This is BTS. This is life. Yeah. He said one part that I really liked so then I wanted to say it here just in case it helped anyone but he was talking about producing and I just thought it was good advice for any boss he said if he has to give criticism or notes he leads with three great things Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good way to go about it yeah to stop any defensiveness what you want them to know is I'm seeing the good things too Mm -hmm. And I think you want to feel when you're putting in a lot of work to something, you want to feel like. <laughs> Why well, is a little piece of tobacco? Oh, okay. <laughs> that wasn't a fake fart noise. <laughs> you want to feel like nobody's listening and are spitting tobacco. <laughs> no, you just you know you want to know the good stuff. You're too. brilliant. You're a great producer. I'm not you're great at curating guests. <laughs> Okay, did I earn my spit I'm not, now? Uh, no, I didn't take any of that to heart. Oh, well, it's all true. <laughs> Thank you. But I've already said it. No, that's so not what we're talking okay. about. No, anyway, I just, I think it's a good tip. Yeah, it is a good tip. Just the tip. <laughs> Maybe we can call this segment just the tip. It's where you curate your favorite tips. Oh, and it's always from things I've cut. Yeah, time for Monica's Just the Tip. <laughs> this week we cut out. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of a good name for it because it's just the tip. Like I'm, I'm pulling out only the tip. Well, you're gonna start pulling out the best stuff and then plagiarizing it. As, I'm not plagiarizing. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably you. start editing so you had good <laughs> moments for your Monica's just the tip segment, you and you like cut out the very best thing. Like, well, I cut out this part where they said that they uh, had been uh, in, in, wrongly incarcerated for two years. Um, it was just a what, little what I wanted side to, note. They, what, they, what they wanted to say was like. Keep a journal. Focus on your day-to-day. Don't get overwhelmed with the future. Uh, and that was just a tip from Monica Padman. <laughs> I cut out the part where they won the Academy Award because it just it didn't fit anywhere. But, what, but Well, actually, also, that is something I might. Would cut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who does just the tip? Oh, 
A lot of people. Why? Because you're religious? not allowed to have sex. It's no, just for religious people? You're you're in high school and um, either the boy has decided he shouldn't have sex or the right. girl. Right. But they've decided they definitely can roll around naked and make out and stuff. Yeah. Maybe there's even been an oral step in there. And then they're laying around, and then it, that tip is getting real close. Do you think and they can yes, stop it, themselves from putting? I've just the tipped it in my day for you sure. Have? Yes. And what you do is you take your pee pee and you start kind of just <laughs> letting it go between. Uh, hot dogging is another term you could use. Okay, but why would so you have tip, done that? Because you want to be inside of them. No, no, Dax, yeah. you, Dax Shepard. Why yeah. would you have done that? You had sex in, when you were in seventh grade. Well, because foreplay. Foreplay. Oh, for four, and and generally, the girl doesn't want to have sex. So you're, but you're, but she also is, wants to rub her vagina and hot dog you. Okay. So in that situation where you're only counting penetration, you're trying to get as close to penetration as humanly possible. I so you make that. this determination in your youth okay. that hot dogging or just getting the meatus, the end of the penis, mm -hmm. uh, in between the vulva, but not in the body. No, I understand Everyone's the logistics. Everyone can walk away clean. I'm Everyone, just... <laughs> everyone's still a virgin in that and scenario. Why would you want to do exactly. that? Exactly. And especially you who has no problem. You have no like. No, if they wanted to play just the tip, I'm down. I'm not even going to say, because I would have never, ever played just the tip in hopes of it escalating. Do you guys say, let's play just the tip? No, it's okay. all unsaid. I, I do. You do. <laughs> I'd like to initiate a session of just the tip. Yeah. No, everything what do you guys want to do later? Like play space, play just the tip? Spin the bottle, just the tip. No, it's always something that's just um, progressing. That's what I figured. But you were yeah. acting. You said play a few times. I didn't know if that was then stated. Never stated. How many years has it been since you've played? Oh, God, an eternity. Too long. There's nothing better than just the tip. Of course there is. Regular set. That's true. It's a little bit better. <laughs> but they, they, you're so close to doing the thing you want to do. It's like the it's like apex edge. of anticipation. Uh, it's, like sure. it's like edging. Mm. It's the teenage equivalent of edging. And it, But in fact... Many boys are going to reach climax from just the tip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, sure. Ejaculate. <clears throat> That's always a word you want to get out there. Get, get out in front of it. Put it right on the table. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's my favorite way to end, as you <laughs> Bye. know. Bye. Bye. We are supported by Intuit the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you yeah, on. Yeah, they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy-to-use resources, like getting a car loan with credit Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com slash education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education.